Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Tuesday, May 2nd, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. More Chiefs today. This time we hear from General Manager Brett Veach. He spoke to reporters on Monday about the NFL draft, and he shares his thoughts on why the Chiefs traded up to make their second, third, and fourth round picks. In all, the Chiefs traded up for four selections, and by making additional draft picks part of the deal, that's how they ended up with seven picks overall instead of the ten they had to enter the draft. After a break, you'll hear from Kansas City Sports Commission President Kathy Nelson. Her group worked with the NFL to bring the draft to Kansas City, and she shares her thoughts on the biggest sports weekend, well, ever, right, in terms of spectators. All right, let's get started. I want to start off by congratulating Kansas City for the unbelievable job they did this past weekend hosting the NFL draft. Uh, everyone at the NFL league office, um, to the mayor's office, to Kathy Nelson and the sports commission, just what an awesome uh, three-day event here. And I think Kansas City should be proud of of what they accomplished this past weekend. Uh, additionally, I want to give a big shout out to my staff, uh, my personnel staff, coaching staff, um, for um, really going after it hard after the um, after the parade, right, in, right into the pre-combine meetings, to the combine, to the free agency process, to the pro days, um, get us up to speed and get us where we need to be. Um, certainly excited by how this weekend uh, turned out and adding seven new draft picks uh, to our football team, uh, along with a handful of, of talented free agents. So um, look forward to seeing these guys this week and getting them up and running and, and, and helping us um, uh, this 2023 season. So with that, I'll take your questions. Go first to Seren Petro. Go ahead, Seren. Um, Brett, a couple questions real quick. Uh, just first of all, the, the, the trade climate, as far as being able to move up uh, when you did, I know you did uh, several times. Uh, were, were there opportunities? Were there options uh, for you to trade back? And do you uh, give any consideration for that? And Brad, I'll have a quick follow-up as well. Yeah, I think, um, and I think I kind of hinted at this on, on Thursday night. Um, you know, Saran, I think, you know, our staff, I mean, we're, we're aggressive and, you know, we, we build our board and, our, and we believe in our board. And if there's a range, um, that we feel is makes sense for us. I mean, we'll, we'll certainly explore that. And we did that Thursday night and we explained some, some trade opportunities. And I think the window just from 18 to say 22, 23 was um, just a little bit uncomfortable for us because, um, you know, we do believe in our board, but at the same time, we do believe in, in, and obviously a volume of good players and it's a long season. You have to have um, depth on both sides. So there was a lot of things we wanted to get accomplished this week. So, um, we explored that and, and when the price was a little bit too high for us, um, you know, we still explored 24 to, you know, 26, 27, um, at that time, no one wanted to trade. Um, so we had a window there where we uh, inquired and, um, again, the price was a little bit too high. And then after that, 
Um, you know, there was no teams, you know, wanting to trade. These teams wanted to pick. There was a small move there from Buffalo and Jacksonville, but um, didn't get any feedback from the rest of those teams. So um, we were content um, because we had a player in Felix that we liked, and, and then we were able to do some maneuvering um, the next couple of days. Uh, and then the follow-up is, did, did you – did it seem like there was a, a wide variance of what the picks were being valued at? Like in some cases we saw some, you know, picks that seemed to have a lot that went into it. In other ones, it seemed like, you know, a fourth rounder, if you go by some of the charts that seemed like they were maybe discounted, did it really vary dependent upon uh, the teams? And did it surprise you a little bit that some were asking for so high when some others seem to be low? I think it's, you know, you see it every year where, um, and when we go into a draft, we have, the historical trends of, of what has been traded for this pick or that pick throughout the course of the year. Um, and we utilize those when we're, we're talking to teams, uh, you know, three, four, five picks prior to the, our selection. Um, but also that gets adjusted in real time. Well, Hey, this, this guy just went for this or that, but it really depends on the team and their motivation to move down and the team's motivation uh, to move up. So if a team is, is there, I think typically teams are, doing a number count in their head. And if they aren't comfortable selecting a player they want or, or are really confident they're going to get them just a few picks later, they sometimes take lesser value just to acquire another pick. But, um, I mean, these things change, and it just depends on on how motivated the seller and the buyer are. Let's go next to Sam McDowell. Go ahead, Sam. Thanks, Brad. I'll have a quick follow-up, too. Uh, Brad, I'm specifically referring to, to the wide receiver spot. Andy obviously uses a, a lot of those guys. So how much do you look at what you currently have on the roster versus just getting the, the guy that's at the top of your board if you had a blank slate of, of no wide receivers on the roster? Um, yeah, I think we take a little of everything into account. I think at the end of the day, I think we, we're just trying to add talent to the roster at all these positions. And um, I think the cool thing about Coach is he's going to highlight their skill set and get the most out of them. And so I think – that's the value in staying true to the board. Um, let's find a guy we like, let's tear him, let's stack him, let's stay true to the board. Um, let's get good players here and then allow coach and, and his offensive staff to do their thing and just put these guys in, in you know, in the best position possible to utilize their, their skill set. Then obviously you go into the draft, you, you don't know exactly what positions you're going to wind up with, with your seven picks. So now that you do have that information, what, what do you envision is sort of left to accomplish before you hit training camp here? I mean, we're always trying to improve this roster and, and we'll continue to um, to monitor the names that are on the streets. And there'll be a handful of guys that have many, many camp invites or, or I should say rookie mini camp invites. And, um, you know, we'll we'll get a list of those names. And, you know, if we can improve the 90th person on our roster, we'll do that. Um, and that will be no different to how we approach this summer. We'll get into training camp and um, we'll start logging the tape on the, on the preseason games and the position battles there. And, um, you know, so, I mean, I feel like we have a, a competitive roster that can go out there and, and compete to win games, but I also feel like there's always room to improve and we'll continue to do that from now until the end of, of the cutdown day. Let's go next to Pete Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete. Brett, before the draft, you talked about the tackle positions, kind of a changing of the guard for you there and how you leaving it open for Juwan to maybe shift to the left state at right. Um, what is injecting Morris into that equation mean for right tackle, left tackle? It, it, you guys feel like it'll be Taylor at left and you'll figure out right, or is it just still you're going to try and mix and match here? Um, I think there'll be a degree of mix, mixing and matching. I'm I'm sure safe to say that, you know, as we sit here today, I mean, um, 
you know, Taylor will be able to go out there and, and run, run left tackle with the ones. And then I think we'll, we'll have good competition between um, Niang and, uh, you know, as you mentioned, Wanyu um, just brought Wanyu in here. And then Kennard, I think, has some flexibility too. So I think all three of those guys will bounce in there. And I think all, you know, at least for sure, um, Kennard will, will go back and forth to tackle and guard. And I think Wanya has some tackle guard flex. So I think you'll see Coach Heck do a great job of just, um, you know, mixing, mixing and matching. And then when we get training camp, just let the competition speak for itself. Let's go next to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Brad, now that the draft is concluded, um, just where do you feel confidence-wise that you can get an extension done with Chris Jones between now and the start of training camp? Well, I don't – until you get a deal done, I don't know in this league if you're ever confident with anything. But, you know, I think that's uh, on the list of things to do. And, and you know, we get um, into the offseason and, and, you know, you're into combine meetings um, and then you're into free agency and then you're into the um, – the draft and then after the draft let the dust settle and and, and start working on on the future and, and things we can get accomplished in the spring so um we'll spend time and you know obviously we have a great relationship um you know with chris and his staff so we'll get to work and, and see what we can do and um those things usually take a little bit of time here so um you know we have a little bit of a runway now until the start of training camp to, to hopefully get something done go next to adam teicher go ahead, adam <laughs> Hey, Brett, um, wanted to ask you about wide receiver and what kind of uh, role, jump and role, if you will, do you see from um, Sky Moore and um, Kadarius Tony this year? And I want to throw Rasheed Rice in there. What kind of role do you see for him as well? And, Brad, I'll have a second question. Well, I think all three of those guys are, are extremely talented and versatile. Um, these are guys that, you know, you can do some some different things with. Um, certainly excited to add Rasheed to this mix here. He was a guy that, um, you know, the contested catch and the run after after the catch was something that really stood out. And, you know, we did lose Juju, and I think it's, it makes sense to, you know, find a guy that can do a lot of things that he can do in the inside game, and he's almost like a running back after the catch. And um, Sky has done a tremendous job of, of getting better and improving. We saw that throughout the course of last year and went through a lot of adversity, but the kid, his mental resiliency is, is, is awesome. And, um, you know, look forward to, for him to take the next step. And, you know, everyone knows about, Kadarius and how talented he is and you know Kadarius can do anything on the field he can line up inside outside running back quarterback I mean he can, he can do it always quarterback back in his day so um again we just like to put talent out in the field and and coach will find ways to put these guys in different positions and different formations and different sets and um you know you throw that group in there with a bunch of talent we have a tight end um you know I let the coaches do their thing but um you know all three of those guys you know we're really excited about okay and uh, also I asked you about this uh couple of weeks ago, but now the deadline is, is here or almost here. Just wanted to see where you are with Clyde on that fifth year option. Yeah. And, and with the draft just being over now, that another thing that will get addressed here, here soon. And, um, you know, we're, um, we're excited though for, for Clyde this season. Actually, he was the first guy I saw in the building today um, in, in tremendous shape. So um, he's a good football player. He's going to help us out here. And again, with these guys that, um, you know, we have a list of things to do with a bunch of these guys. And, and now that the draft is officially ended, um, you know, in, in the next coming weeks, now's the time when we go through all that stuff and um, start making our plans for the future. Um, but needless to say, we're, we're excited to have him back in the building today and look forward to, um, you know, uh, hopefully a healthy 20, 2023 campaign from him. Let's go next to Jesse Newell. Go ahead, Jesse. Hey, hey, Brad, I wanted to ask you about you traded up in the second round, the third round and the fourth round. Can you just speak through the decision making on each of those and what went into that? Yeah, it's just 
identifying the board, you know, it's one of those things where you, you, I mean, we're spending a ton of time on this board. I mean, we're spending, I mean, countless numbers of hours and, and we do that because, you know, this is the process. And when we identify talent, um, we're able to look at that board and, and, and know that, all right, when we're in a certain range, you know, we really like this guy. And if you look below this guy, there's a big drop off. So when we get aggressive, it's because, you know, we've spent all the time watching these guys and, and we feel like the drop off or potentially they're not, I mean, he could be the last guy that, that we value um, in regards to a guy coming in and helping us year one. So when you identify that, you got to trust your board and trust all the work that you put in. Um, you know, I, it, it's kind of, you know, blending the two concepts on one end. Yeah. You have to, you know, there is that lotto aspect where you have to throw a bunch of numbers at this, but at the same time, I mean, we wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't set the board, spend all that time doing the work. And if we believe in a guy, um, you know, you can't, you can't risk losing those guys. And I mean, there's been, there was a handful of guys um, this past weekend that um, we were trying to trade up for and didn't work out and they went and, and that's the way this works. So you got to believe in your board. You got to believe in your scouts. Um, but you have to do so. You can't be reckless. Um, you got to take calculated risks. And, you know, I think you saw that, um, you know, we took a stab to get up there in round one. We, round one, we couldn't. And so we played it smart. But then when we had windows of guys that we just didn't think there were like components of or, or similar value, um, we went ahead and made those moves. And then when we had when we were sitting there in a position where we felt the, the competition or the value or I should say the skill set was all similar, we, we traded out of that one pick and we got a, a future pick from Dallas. So I think it's just you know, blending, you know, the, um, the volume concept and also, um, the belief in the board and, and just going get, getting guys you like. Let's go next to Vahe. Go ahead, Vahe. Hey, Brett. Um, I know you, you said Thursday night that, um, you, you found some reluctance with AFC teams to trade with you guys that they weren't interested or they were asking for exorbitant prices. And it looked like that changed a little over the weekend, but, I just wonder if you can distinguish uh, this year from past years in terms of teams, uh, especially rival teams, being willing to uh, cooperate in the draft. And if that tone has changed a little bit with the success of the last few years. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's I feel like all these drafts kind of work out the same way. And it all comes down to just the motivation between the buyer and the seller. And, and if guys. um depending on the teams and the needs and how they, I mean, you never know how teams value other players and where they have them on their board and, and if they think they can get a similar player later. Um, I don't think I'd like to think, you know, all these teams operate from what's best for the team. And if they think staying there um, and adding a player that they can't get later is the best thing they do it. And if they think there's a like component or maybe they're not as high on, on a pocket of players, then, then they move down. I don't think that I know from my standpoint, I've never made a call or, or taken a call um, from another team and said, well, that might be better for them. I think I always operate from what's best for us. And to me, all these teams have the same name when it comes to draft day. If they have a pick I want um, or if they're trying to, um, you know, come up and they you know, want to pick from us, I just look at the value and how does it make us better? Because um, at the end of the day, we're competing against all these teams. Let's go next to Matt Derrick. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, Brett. Um, you know, looking at your last couple of drafts versus the first couple, when you look at metrics like RAS score and some of the other athletic matrices that are out there, it, these are much more athletic classes. How how much of that is intentional as far as you know the role of analytics playing and stacking your draft board, draft board maybe than it was five or six years ago? 
Um, I think it's just an evolution of just um, trying to get better every draft and every acquisition period. I, you know, I think we've always did a good job of, of blending the tape and, and making sure that we utilize analytics to make sure that we don't miss anything. We're always crossing T's and dot and I's. And, um, and so then I think it's just a matter of just fine tuning that process over the years and making sure that we can be more locked in and, 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 you know, better informed and, um, in all of our decision-making processes. So, um, I'd like to think that we've always done this, but also at the same time, I think we spent a lot of effort just, um, you know, doing a lot of, uh, self-reflection and, and, and being very critical of, of how we do things and just learning from the process. But, you know, analytics will always play a role in what we do and, and we believe in it. And we also believe in the outstanding work our scouts do throughout the course of the year. So it's really just uh, every year, just trying to, you know, fine tune this, this process and get better and better and better. We've got time for a couple more. We'll go Todd Palmer and then Matt McMullen. Go ahead, Todd. Running back last year, you got Isaiah in the seventh round. Didn't address that position. Is that a signal that, that you guys are still, you know, uh, that Jarek's maybe still in play? And, and what did you like about Generic Prince, who you guys reportedly are signing as a UDFA? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously we have a, a, you know, a longstanding relationship with, with Jarek, and we've had communication, so I wouldn't be surprised if something got done with him soon. Um, and as far as Prince, he's a guy that I, 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 we're excited about. I mean, he, he's a bit big kid that that can really run i mean he ran one of the fastest four times the combine um has done a good job over the years of working on the on the past game and and so he's he's again another talented kid that we're excited to bring in here and and um you know we're excited about um you know isaiah's second year and, and obviously he had a breakout season last year and then um potentially adding a guy like Jarek and, and then as i mentioned clyde was one of the first guys that i saw in the building today so you know we believe in that room it's a good room and and, and certainly prince is going to come in here and, and compete for playing time and possibly roster spot there and i know you were asked earlier about you know pat's deal obviously in light of uh you know the lamar jackson and and, and jalen hurt signings in terms of timing are you do you guys want to wait till like the burrow and herbert extensions get done or new contracts get done i mean what how do you guys kind of see that playing out well, I mean, the draft just ended here and, you know, I think um, coach got asked about it. I got asked about it. And Clark got asked about it there. So, um, you know, we're a few years into a long deal, but at the same time we have great communication with Pat. And so there'll be a, a situation where we just, we work through all these things and um, you know, there's no timing on it from our end just because we're in constant communication. We'll go last to Matt McMullen. Go ahead, go ahead Matt. Uh, what'd you like about him? And at this early juncture, what's the kind of role you envision for a player like him? Sorry, man, I missed the first part to kind of mute it out there. Uh, Chamari Connor, just your thoughts on yeah. him and, and why you selected him. Um, just a versatile uh, defensive back. I mean, he's a guy that can play play from, play free safety. He can play down low um, at the strong safe position. He also has some some big nickel uh, flex. I think he's a guy that can come down the box and, and cover some athletic tight ends. I and mean, he's a, a big kid really smart I mean, you're talking about two three-year captain there does everything the right way um we're just really excited uh to add him and he was you know one of those guys like you know obviously um we were super high in Rashi and and you know we didn't want to get too cute with him and and connor was a guy that i mean we <laughs> it was right there with him and wanya in the third round and i was um was talking to his agent today just congratulating him and i, I mean the values are right there and then when we had a chance and this goes about being selectively aggressive and then you know we selected uh, Wanye and I mean it could have easily been a, the Virginia Tech safety and then we get back and um in round four and you're sitting there and once you get into that window where I mean this makes sense for us and he's going to be gone pretty soon um we went up there to get him but I think Matt 
why you like this kid is because he's, he's extremely versatile. Uh, he's long, he's athletic. I think he ran four, four at the combine, but um, has some free end safety flex um, should be a great special team contributor um, day one. And at the same time, I think there's also some, some nickel flex, um, some big nickel flex to, to match up with some of the athletic tight ends these teams have throughout the league. Brett, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Awesome. Appreciate it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. These past few days for the NFL draft certainly exceeded our expectations. Between everyone showing up, the smiles, the high fives, the safety, the weather, I mean, it just went so smooth. It was fantastic. Relative to expectation, or did you, I mean, was with you, you're on guard for everything, right? Right, what, what, right. You know, what could happen, mm-hmm. what, you know? But mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what did happen that threw you a curve or anything this, this oh. weekend. Well, there were absolutely curveballs. I mean, every day there was something, and there were multiple somethings. But nothing that anyone needed to worry about besides, you know, the NFL event team and, and the sports commission. So, and those curveballs helped make the event better. I mean, it really, and, and practicing, practicing and rehearsing and meetings and hours of meetings and rehearsing and walking the side and rehearsing again of when move-in starts. I mean, all of those things paid off, even though at times there was frustration of, I cannot believe we have another meeting or another phone call or that we have more people we have to explain this to. But in the end, it was certainly worth that. And did, how much of this happened um, uh, you know, before the build-out? I mean, the, oh, yeah. it seems to me that that, that would, the rehearsal part and stuff that needed to be done at Union Station mm-hmm. maybe couldn't have been done without the cover and the, the final stage being built, but a lot of it would have had to have been. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean... Safety and security meetings every day, right? Those happen constantly. Communication happens daily. Um, Scenarios are worked out every day of, well, if this happens, then this happens. If this were to happen, then this needs to happen. So all of that well before the stage was built. Once the stage was built, that's when the walkthroughs came together more so with the NFL and their production, you know, all the different television, ESPN, ABC, NFL Network rehearsed, of course, a lot once that structure was done, which is why the structure needed to be done a few days in advance and not just be ready to go Thursday at seven o'clock. 
that had to be done and built leading into the week. So what was your, uh, what was your biggest concern going in and, and what did it get alleviated? With the- yeah, weather was probably the last few days going in you know, thunderstorms, lightning, how do we evacuate the site? Especially on Friday. Right, right. And then the wind that came through on Saturday, those were probably our biggest concerns. Everything else, you know, there were hundreds and hundreds of NFL people that do this all the time that were here. So I wasn't concerned about when does Roger walk on stage. That's not my concern. My concern is overall footprint um, safety, working with the Kansas City Police Department and all the other agencies that were here. so then the one that was was then eliminated was weather. Once we started to get into Thursday, it looked like Thursday was going to be spot on perfect. It was actually a little warm at first, which made me oddly nervous. But then the weather turning out perfect for Thursday and Saturday for sure helped. And the crowds, you know, at first you wonder, are we going to have too many people? There was a concern that on Thursday we would need to shut the draft footprint down. So how do you message? to thousands of people that we want you here, but we don't want you here right now, but um, come back. And so all of that started to become the 48 hours leading into it of where does our focus go? Is it trying to get more people here Friday and Saturday, knowing that Thursday we may have to. We ended up on Thursday closing the North Lawn, but never the South Lawn for capacity. Okay. So that was... What what time did they close the North Lawn? Um, about six o'clock, I think. Okay. Ellie, does that sound right? Six on the north mm-hmm. lawn. So just about before, just before it started. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it reached the sixty thousand or mm-hmm. whatever, whatever the capacity. But you could have still gotten in through gate three at the yeah. on the south lawn. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, a concern that was um, a good concern, but then again, ended up being spot on perfect. Right. Um, and it, this sounds so silly. I was a little worried. Will people really come to our party? <laughs> I mean, I knew they would, but... But you needed to see them. <laughs> you needed to see people. And the where, where our office sits, you know, the, the thrones of people were coming up grand here over. And so just to watch all 32 teams walk up the sidewalk was a little emotional. That was pretty cool to see. And then on Saturday, I popped in the office just for a short time. And all the strollers and families on Saturday was breathtaking, I thought. So, um, when you get the draft again? <laughs> I know, I find, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. What, um, yeah. what, what things would need to be done differently for the mm. next draft? I don't know that I can answer that yet. Um, I think this was such a big event that so many people learned takeaways of how you host massive events we probably would communicate maybe earlier but now we understand what this looks like Um, I don't know that we would do a lot differently if we were to host again I think the NFL felt like it was spot on Uh, you know we might use the fountain area more or different (laughs) just because it was so great for the concert on Friday night you know, I know that we impacted some businesses, especially those inside Union Station, but they've been great to work with on a positive outcome for everyone. I think we would learn from this if we were to host again and sit down with, you know, with George at Union Station and, and the businesses inside to say, what could we do to make it better? Um, 
how about uh, and I, I don't know this, but did did it? Do you know if it had the impact, or is there any anecdotal evidence that it had the impact on downtown restaurants, bars, shops, things like that? You know, Seems I like don't. people were parking and walking here. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they were walking into restaurants before or after. I don't. I don't know that. I mean, we were focused here. Here, right? Which is where you need us focused. Um, you know, I don't know. I saw a lot of food vendors or others along Grand once you got past 20th. And as I, um, was that Saturday? I don't remember which day it was. Anyhow, uh, it looked like there were a lot of people stopping at those. So I don't, I don't know. Okay. We haven't talked to any of those businesses yet. Um, how will what we saw on Thursday, Friday, Saturday be different than what we might see in 2026 with the World Cup? Yeah, well, still to be determined. FIFA is still working through how they want these fan fests to go. Will they do multiple smaller fan festivals? Will they they host one big fan festival in each host city? It is expected, since we're a host city, that not only with the matches, but we would host a daily fan festival. Is that seven days? Is that 30 days? All of that is yet to be determined. Um, they were here to see the footprint. Really? They arrived Thursday night. They were delayed, but they came in extremely late, uh, landed at like 3 in the morning, Friday morning, and then were with us. We toured the entire footprint with them Friday morning. Um, they had a meeting with Cliff and Clark over lunch on Friday, and then they met back up with us um, thir- Friday, Friday evening stayed, and then they ended up, they were going to go back to their hotel. They had an early morning flight on Saturday, and they ended up staying for the concert, which was so much fun. I'm glad they did. But they wanted to see the space activated to see if this is, you know, an opportunity. So it's certainly not decided. They may just use South Lawn. They may not do a stage. You know, I mean, there's so many unknowns yet. Uh, we have a lot to learn after this now, regrouping with the city and George and Dr. Naylor at World War One on what worked and what didn't. And is this even feasible to do something like this again in this footprint? That'll do it for today. Thanks to Randy Mason for producing today's show and to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Morning Sports Edition was 41 pages today of coverage of the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, baseball, more NFL draft news, so much more. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sportsbeat KC where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.